Welcome to Courtside with Kurt. I'm news editor Jennifer Driscoll, and I'm here with reporter Kurt Brown. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Kurt. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing all right. Busy news week, huh? Very busy news week. Yeah. Uh, so of all of that, yeah. today we're going to focus on the case of Sean Souza, who is facing charges of child rape and indecent assault and battery on a person under 14. And he's a Dartmouth uh, police officer. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Uh, so because this involves a minor, the documents in court have been sealed. And so the details of the case are a bit sparse. However, uh, here's what we do know about Mr. Souza's case. As Kurt mentioned, he's a 10-year veteran of the Dartmouth Police Department, serving as a patrolman. The allegations against Mr. Souza were first discovered after the Department of Children and Families received a report. They referred that report to the Dartmouth Police. Dartmouth Police, seeing that it involved one of their own, immediately uh, requested the Bristol County District Attorney's Special Victims Unit take over the investigation. That brings us to last week. On April 4th, Mr. Souza was arrested at work at the Dartmouth Police Station by state troopers with the DA's office on charges of rape of a child with force, rape of child aggravated by age difference, and two counts of indecent assault and battery on a person under 14. So from there, he was in court on Monday. Mm -hmm. yeah, yes, and that's where I'll pick up the story. Um, myself and um, many other members of the media were there. Um, the uh, I think I'm going to start with uh, the, <clears throat> the majority of this case, we don't know the facts because, as Jennifer mentioned earlier, that all the documents, all the um, police reports have been sealed by the uh, court. Uh, what came out in court, uh, be besides the outcome of a dangerousness hearing, which the DA's office sought, was that what new information I mean is that the allegations are eight years old. Um, the com complainant is someone who is not a stranger, is familiar with the um, uh, uh, police officer, uh, and that this is a case of delayed disclosure. Now that's all we know about that. Uh, that this happened eight, sometime around eight years ago, uh, and the memory of the uh, two victims has been recently triggered, or it has recently been disclosed. Uh, the last deep new detail we know is that the um, mother of at least one of the victims came into the courtroom right after the dangerousness hearing and requested and was granted a restraining order. Uh, the judge, uh, <coughs> Judge Ovian, immediately impounded both the affidavit and the restraining order. So all we know about the case is what has come out in open court. Which is not a lot of details. It has, is not a lot of details, but it's done to protect the, uh, the victims in this case. Absolutely. Yeah. So with the delayed memory, mm -hmm. that cause any complications here? Uh, it's much different than um, than 
uh, a crime of this nature uh, that was reported. Uh, the, it's the timeliness of it that's different. If this was a, uh, a recent crime, uh, there would be a forensic uh, exam and evidence would be seized. Um, with something that's eight years old, I, d I don't think that uh, that will be the case uh, in, uh, in this criminal case. So what happened on Monday? We had this dangerousness hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the outcome? Uh, the outcome was that the judge uh, found uh, the officer, Sean Souser, uh, dangerous. Uh, but he uh, did not agree with the government that he posed such a danger to the community that it, there was no other way to protect the public than incarceration. So what the judge decided to do was to uh, put him on a curfew uh, from 8 p.m. to, um, from 6 uh, p.m. to 8 a.m., uh, monitor his activities with GPS, uh, issue a stay away and a no contact order, and require him to uh, post $10,000 cash bail. So is that unusual? What does it take to be ruled mm. dangerous so mm. that you get to the point where you're being held without bail? It's a very good question. And uh, given some of the questions I've received in emails and especially on Twitter, um, there, there's uh, a, an awful lot of misunderstanding or a need for education about this law. Um, it's a very, it's a what they call a two-pronged law that the government has to prove two things, and when I say the government, I mean, the, in this case, the DA's office. They have to prove that, number one, an individual is dangerous. Now, sometimes they can do that with simply the, the uh, charge and with simply the facts of the case. That's what they were able to do in Mr. Sousa's case. In other cases, uh, you'll see the government submit a, um, a defendant's um, board of probation record to show that he has been arrested numerous times or she has been arrested numerous times or he has defaulted numerous times. Uh, and the judge takes all that into consideration and the, makes the determination of a person's dangerousness. Uh, the judge in this case uh, determined that the officer was dangerous. The second obstacle that the government has to uh, hurdle, uh, the, the second prong, is that there is no other remedy than incarceration to protect the public. Um, Mr. Sousa does not have a criminal record. He's been a law-abiding citizen. He's been a, a uh, his attorney described him as a well-respected member of the community. Uh, he um, He's also a military veteran. Yeah, he was a combat veteran of Iraq. Uh, uh, so, I mean, that's a difficult hurdle, and I don't really know if the government uh, expected to uh, get over that hurdle. 
so then the question, the judge has to weigh this and the judge has to think about are there other ways to protect the public other than incarceration? Uh, uh, so the, the judge did that. The judge set bail in the, the amount of $10,000. He's uh, placed him on a GPS uh, uh, bracelet and that will monitor where he goes. Uh, he has placed him on a curfew. He has to be in his residence at 6 p.m. every night. He cannot leave until 8 p.m. He has been given a, uh, a no contact, either direct or indirect, uh, and a stairway order by the judge um, against the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the complaining witnesses. Um, so the, the judge felt that that was sufficient uh, means to protect the public. It did not come out in court, but uh, the officer, you could argue that the officer would have been in greater danger had he been incarcerated, simply because he is a police officer. But that wasn't argued in court, but I thought I would present that. Well, that's a good point to bring up, because when he was arrested, and he was taken to the Ashtree Jail. Ashtree Jail, not Dartmouth. Right, not Dartmouth. Mm. Uh, but John Darling over at the Sheriff's Office said that he was placed in the medical unit. That's correct, a one-person cell. And that was for his safety. That was for his safety, but it also uh, restricts uh, socializing. We all need to see people in the course of the day and say hi, and he's in a room, uh, and. All, the only socializing he has is when they bring him his meals and um, and those kinds of things. So what's next? So what next is, uh, I mean, this case will, will be in the courts for a uh, for quite a while. Um, as in other podcasts, I've said that the this is a case that does not belong in in any district court, uh, simply because district courts only has jurisdiction over cases involving a punishment of two and a half years. This will most likely, again, assuming that everything stays the same, that uh, the victims do not recant their statement, the um, assuming that the case doesn't fall apart, that this case will go before the grand jury, in most, li uh, most likely. And uh, the grand jurors will hear the evidence in the case and decide whether to issue what is known as a true bill. Uh, and that will have the effect of transferring the case to the superior court level, which has uh, jurisdiction on capital crimes. Uh, it will also trigger the Dartmouth police, if it happens, if a true bill is issued, to um, suspend his pay, uh, suspend him without pay. Right now, his status is on administrative leave with pay. But he's not working. But he's not working. He's he also, also had to hand over his gun. And his badge. That is correct. His his service revolver. It's his department issue firearm. I'm not sure. I think Dartmouth doesn't have revolvers. Ooh. Interesting tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> 
So once the indictment comes through, if then it if it comes through, yeah. then uh, that would change from paid. I, I believe so, yeah. That would be the chief's decision, yeah. Chief Levesque's decision. And then the case would be transferred to um, the Superior Court level. But as far as we know, right now, if everything stays the same, the next court date will be May 22nd. That is correct, yes. In, in New Bedford District Court. Okay. Um, I, I might add that this case is still being investigated by uh, Dartmouth and State Police and the District Attorney's Office. So if anyone has any information regarding this case, mm -hmm. which office should they contact? I, I think they could uh, uh, call the DA's office, call the State Police, or call Dartmouth Police. And they would get them to the right person. They would get them to the right person, that is correct. Any more thoughts on Mr. Souza's case? No, this is just a very sad case. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, that's all I want to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us today on Courtside with Kurt. For more on this case, visit southcoasttoday.com and follow Kurt on Twitter at KurtBrown underscore SCT. Thank you, Jennifer, very much. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs>